History Month, y'all. Thank you for joining us again. And I am so excited about this episode, not only because it is going to be blackity black black, but also <laughs> because we are talking to one of the OGs of powerlifting and a lot of other sports. So um, we're going to get right into it. But I want to introduce to y'all, I have the great honor of speaking with friend of the podcast, Krista Ford. Say hi, Krista. <laughs> hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yes. <laughs> Wonderful now that you're here and we finally got this to work. Right. Um, so <laughs> let me just give y'all a little bit of breakdown about the great Krista Ford. I can't even begin to go into all of her accomplishments and achievements, but obviously she has been a powerhouse in the sport of powerlifting for well over the last 30 years. Um, not only that, Krista has the distinct honor of being the first African-American woman to be on the women's U.S. bobsled Olympic team. So we will talk in great detail about that and how she basically just showed up and showed out with the bobsled and how, <laughs> how that led her to powerlifting and all kinds of other good things. So again, Krista, welcome to the podcast. I'm Thank you. so blessed and so happy that we were able to catch up with you and have you, you on today. Right. Um, so God, I don't even know where to start, but I guess... Um, one of the things that I was most curious about was uh, just doing some research and, and kind of seeing kind of where you've been and, and how far you've come. So y you've always been an athlete. Is that is that pretty accurate to say? Correct. Yep. Okay. And so how did you first get into athletics in general, like as a, as a young person? Um, just, you know, back in the day when we were raised, everything mm -hmm. was about playing outside and being outside and mm -hmm. you had kickball and softball and dodgeball and everything yep. implemented in your school activities every mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. so I started at a very young age of, of loving to be outside and playing with everybody else and mm -hmm. playing games and yada 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 and so I started out with just all those activities outside that we used mm -hmm. to do when we come home from school everybody was outside playing nobody Where was inside where are you from originally? Where did you grow up? I was uh, raised uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, okay. Okay. So yep. lots of outside space. <laughs> lots of lots of corn, lots mm -hmm. of flat land. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. But I was raised actually in the city. Okay. So in Indianapolis. But Indiana itself, the state is very flat. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. No okay, hills. Cool. <laughs> so then how did you transition from just sort of playing outside and I guess, you know, maybe physical education and things like that into playing um, like organized sports? I think where it started at very early on is that um, whatever I did outside, like I say, in recreation within school, I was mm -hmm. good at it. And okay. so after a while, I started looking into things myself. Mm -hmm. Like, um, let's see, I will say as early as uh, grade school. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and mm -hmm. I was on like the kickball team mm -hmm. I was on the dodgeball team these are all you know they they formulated little teams then. right right and you would compete against each other your peers mm -hmm. and then I think uh, from there it kind of trans just transitioned as I got into junior high school and then they actually had little teams set up for different events or different sports and I just was always very active in them and I loved physical fitness period mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and then of course Graduating into high school, that's when I started getting my niche together. I started okay. running track and field. Ooh, what were and, your events? 
I was on the 4x4 regular. I don't even know if they call it that anymore. I, I think they still do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the 4x4. Four four. I started out trying hurdles. I didn't really, that wasn't my niche. Mm-hmm. But the 4x4, four four, so I was a sprinter. Okay. And, and I did the, that does not surprise me one bit, but anyway. Right. <laughs> I was a sprinter. It was so much fun. And then, um, and I started, I did a few, a few field events. I was a long jumper for a little bit, and I started uh, trying a little bit of the shock put and mm-hmm. the discus. But my, my passion was really being on the team running with the other four, three girls. Right. You know, for the right. relays. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. So I was usually the anchor. Mm-hmm, on that mm-hmm. so you know you put your fastest one in the front or the back right exactly. uh so i did that as well as i did the uh, 100 yard dash mm-hmm. and uh i, I was pretty decent mm-hmm. i wasn't the best but i was pretty decent then you know I they feel like that might be an understatement given your athletic progress, <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm gonna let you have that i'm gonna let you have that but i might need to go do some research and look right, up some right, numbers right, later right, right, find right, out right. she was the fastest right, ever for her high school come back i was <laughs> I was just okay. It was just that humble. Yeah. So it was a, it was, a, I enjoyed track and field a lot. And actually, mm-hmm. um, we'll talk about it later, but that was my dream to go to the Olympics as mm-hmm. a track and field athlete. That okay. was my original dream coming out of high school. That was mm-hmm. what I, but I got directed in a certain different other right. directions. But anyway, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Great. And did you also um, compete in athletics after high school, like in college or any I, other kind of teams? I did. And okay. actually, in, in, um, um, uh, high school, I was introduced uh, to golf, oh, believe wow. it or not, oh. and uh, I was the only black woman on the golf team uh-huh. uh, ever in that school, uh-huh. and at that time, um, I don't know of any female black players mm-hmm. on the LBGTA tour, right, 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 ladies right. golf, I, yeah. I, I don't remember anyone. No women, mm-hmm. no black women. Now I remember Calvin Pete. Yes. Him. Yes. Yep. Them, but no, no black women. So I played on the team there, as well as I, I tried a little bit in high school uh, volleyball. Uh-huh. I like volleyball. I didn't like basketball. Okay. I, I just get too nervous when somebody's around me too much. I just give them the ball. Like, Here, <laughs> like, you I need my space. Ball. I need my yeah, space. Yeah. <laughs> just too nervous. So I'm like, okay. Look, um, I'm going to have to talk to you offline because uh, my son is actually making his foray into um, the golf team in high school. So we, we're going to have to talk about that. Oh, bit. yes. It's gonna... it, he will definitely be the only, if not one of the only. So There we yeah. go. So, oh, yeah. I have lots of good stuff with that oh, because awesome. I was the only black. I was the mm-hmm. first black on that team and it was all white school pretty much. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Back then. So okay. outside of high school, of course, yes, I moved to Cali. I moved to your spot. Hey. <laughs> I love California. Love California. Um trying to get back here. I told you that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on that. Um Okay. Okay. I played on recreational softball teams. Mm-hmm. Um with guys and girls as well as mm-hmm. I, I did uh, had my own team actually. I oh, was a wow. coach of one of my own teams. So out in Cali mm-hmm. is where I was introduced per, and I'm gonna tell you how I was. Introduced. I was introduced to weightlifting in the gym in ah. California at 17 years old when I moved wow. out. Wow. Okay. This is where this all started. This whole okay. powerlifting. That was my next question. <laughs> yes, that's where it all started. It started in California. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, two days after I. Graduated from high school, I moved out to Cali, North mm-hmm. Cali. I'm in mm-hmm. a little town called Tracy, which yes, is near Modesto, and yeah, you already know <laughs> San Jose, yep, Stockton, yep, yep. Oakland, mm-hmm. Sacramento, all that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where my whole life changed because that's where it started. Now, I will just mention this because this is kind of the start of that. 
I got introduced to weightlifting from that uh, my track and field coach, mm-hmm. which his name was John Ritter, just mm-hmm. like the actor. Oh, okay. He said to me, when I had my dream of wanting to go to uh, the Olympics for track and field at that time, when I was right. what, s- sophomore or junior and senior mm-hmm. in high school, he told me, he said, Christy, you'd be a, weight, a better weightlifter. Hmm. Now, mm-hmm. out of the blue, now you're talking about in the 80s. We're talking about 83, he said right. this to me. Right. And I was like, well, and then he explained to me the four sports that were, well, actually at that time it was really three. Yeah. The three sports that were out there that were weightlifting uh, conducive. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you should try your hand at it. And I said, why do you feel that way? And he said, you're fast. I wasn't the best, really. I really wasn't the best on the team. But he said, you're fast, but you're also strong. Mm. And he noticed that when I was in high school when we would be in the weight room. I'd just be messing around. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, So that was his suggestion. And I took his suggestion, moved to Cali Mm -hmm. at 17, and I found a gym. Mm. And that's how it all began. And that's how it all began, by just by his seeing something else he said yes right. you'd be good in track and field that's true but you'd be a better weightlifter mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. at that time I, I asked him you know well what other weightlifting sports are out there what are they and, right. and he mentioned right off the bat olympic lifting which you see in the olympics with the mm-hmm. girls and guys clean and jerk and snatch mm-hmm. he mentioned powerlifting, squat bench and deadlift mm-hmm. and he mentioned bodybuilding okay and and strongman wasn't around then Right. The Highland Games were still around because they were around forever. Yeah. But that was it. Mm-hmm. And so he just mentioned those three. And he just said, you should go find a gym and start weightlifting. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's all I said. So from this, from this moving forward, I have always been introduced to everything that I have been currently and that I am in now to today. It's always come by way of a suggestion. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? interesting? It is yeah. very interesting. <laughs> I think so. Okay. So that's that. So, um, so which one did you end up starting with? Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Okay. Okay. So tell me about that. What was that like? Cause like I said, you know, we, we talked we kind talk. of offline and yeah. times have changed a lot A lot <laughs> with a respect bunch. to all of these sports. So, so yes. tell us a little bit about what bodybuilding at that point was like. I mean, that was still sort of in, you know, Arnold, that whole kind yes. of heyday and yes. Haney and, yes. you know, all of those greats. And, uh, you know, w- what was that like? Well, how it was introduced to me was this. So I moved to Tracy, California. Mm-hmm. I stayed with my cousins there. Mm-hmm. Got a job, everything. Went mm-hmm. down the street and I found this gym called the Body Works Gym. Mm-hmm. In that gym, I walked in. And I met the owner. Okay. And her name was Linda Tracy, just like the town I lived in, spelled hmm. exactly the same last name, Tracy, mm-hmm. without an E. Mm-hmm. And I just inquired. I said to her, now actually, I didn't, I, I joined the gym. I didn't quite know what I was doing. Right. Not at all. Right. So I was working out one day, I think maybe one or two days into it. Mm-hmm. She approached me. Mm-hmm. And she said, would you like me to show you how to do that correctly? <laughs> And I said, <laughs> what are you going to say, no? Yeah, right? I was like, yeah, you know, I, said, I love yeah, it. Sure, why not? You know, so, and you know, if I was a guy with a big ego, of course right. I would have said, no, don't get away right. from me. Right. And you're a woman on top of that? No. Exactly. But she, she came up to me, and so I was, I was still fresh. Like I said, I was fresh out of high school. I was just 17. Mm-hmm. And I think she saw something. Right. That was there. That's the reason why she came up to me, because it was a huge gym and it had a huge upstairs that had 
aerobics was big time then. Mm -hmm. Like I say, mm -hmm. big, big classes, lots of stuff. And I said, sure. So what she did was she kind of took me underneath her wing and kind of showed me, because she was owner of the gym, she kind of showed me the basics mm -hmm. on how to lift with the machines, how to lift with free weights, how to lift with, you know, prop, decent technique at mm -hmm. 17. Mm -hmm. And that's how that began. And then after that, say about four or five months into it, I heard training me and I was in that gym every day. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I absolutely, I fell in love with that. Mm -hmm. You know, being an athlete anyway, but I fell right. in love with lifting weights. That's all it was. I right. just loved how I felt when I went in, when I left. Mm -hmm. A little bit into it, she said to me, you should try your hand at competing at bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. See, if you notice, I keep saying people keep suggesting things to me. And I'm like, okay. So well, I you look, know, there really are no coincidences in the world. I, I totally agree. So even though it was a suggestion, it was probably divine intervention. It was. <laughs> it was. It was already God had his plan all right. the way from the very beginning about me and this weightlifting, period. Exactly. Uh -huh. So that was basically it. She said, she suggested that to me. And I said, okay. So I started really, and see, back then you could research it really easy. Right. You just look in magazines and you go to the bookstore mm -hmm. and pick up a, a muscle fitness magazine right. and you saw all the powers to be then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was very easy to, to access all that. So that's what I did. Right. I started doing my research and I started finding out what about this bodybuilding. And back then, Carla right. Dunlap was around. She yes. was the first black female to ever really compete now, on a and, high and, level. And for some of our folks that may be younger listening, I think yep. it's important to provide the context that at that point, Female bodybuilding meant bodybuilding. It didn't mean figure. Yes. It didn't mean bikini. Yes. <laughs> it didn't mean physique. It yes. meant bodybuilding. Exactly. So just kind of to provide some context about, you know, what it was really in, what was really involved in, in the work that went into that. And too, do you remember this uh, back then? So you had female bodybuilders and you had male bodybuilders, and right. basically all it is is showing off your body. Of right. course, the females and the males were judged, yes. as well as the females and the males had muscles. Yes. So women had muscles, <laughs> and yes. that's it. Actual End of story. Muscles. That's why it's called female bodybuilding. Right. And then also back then. You had competitions with just male and female, but you also had couples. I used yes. to compete at couples where yes. you have your guy with you and you do the little routine together. It was fun to watch. It yeah. was very fun to watch. It was very fun to do. They don't have any of those things anymore, yeah. but that yeah. was really cool. But you're right. that there, There's a huge distinction. It was just female bodybuilders, male bodybuilders, and that was it. Mm -hmm. You had mm -hmm. couples, couples competition within that where you right. have a guy and a girl together. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a team thing. Right. But yes, you're right. You're, you're absolutely correct about that. Good, good clarifying that because there's so many different yeah. avenues now that you yeah. can go into. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. I absolutely. Agree. I agree. So you started on your bodybuilding path and, and, and kind of, you know, how long were you doing that or sort of what, you know, how did you find that? And then you transitioned to something else. Okay. So started out uh, doing my research, still mm -hmm. training in Cali. Right. I stayed in Cali a year. Mm -hmm. Then I moved back home to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then I really dug in and I joined uh, Gold's Gym right around the corner from where I lived at, my mm -hmm. apartment was at. Mm -hmm. And that was at 18. So I was 18 doing that. Got into the gym, mm -hmm. hung out with a couple people mm -hmm. to help me get into training as a bodybuilder. And, and definitely my mindset was that I wanted to compete at it. Right. After that, so I trained for about... I don't know, a couple of months or whatever. And I ran into a girl in the gym. Her name was Melissa Reardon. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'll never forget this because she was the first person, first woman to actually help. She trained me. She trained with me as my mm-hmm. partner as well as she had already done a few bodybuilding competitions on her own. Uh-huh. So she taught me how to pose and she taught me all the ins and outs about bodybuilding and what to expect and yada, 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 yada. Right. So I ran into her and mm-hmm. she started training me and pulled me underneath her wing. After that, my first bodybuilding competition was at the age of 19. Mm-hmm. So a year later. Well, it wasn't even really a year. And um, that's when they had tall and short classes. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. they had. They didn't right. have it split up in the weight categories. They just had tall women, short women. Okay. Right. Um, and that's kind of how I got into that. So through her tutelage mm-hmm. and everything, she kind of put me in my first show. Um I was rudely awakened mm-hmm. at, in 1985 is when I did my first show. Mm-hmm. And I was rudely awakened, meaning I saw what was going on to my right and to my left in all the panel. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. there was, and mind you, I was still 18, so right. I wasn't even closely developed. Right. Right. But I saw how some of the people didn't look half as good as me were winning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So I started doing my research, and then right. I find out, and Melissa told me, she says, very political right. and very uh, subjective, and it's all in who you know mm-hmm. and not what you look like a lot of times in this sport. And I was like, right. wow, okay. So I went on and kept with it because I said, let me try another one. Right. Let me just see if I'm, if I'm in the, if I have the right niche here. Mm-hmm. So I did. I did another competition, another contest in 1987. Mm-hmm. And same thing. Mm-hmm. So right after that, I was still in Gold's Gym. A guy approached me mm-hmm. in the gym and said to me, you be a better powerlifter. Hmm. Okay. And I said, well, how so? He said, because you're strong. And he said... The sport that you're in currently right now is rough. It's not a sport that doesn't have a ton of politics and a ton of subjectiveness in it. Right. He said, Krista, you can do this till you're 90. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's all in who's on that panel, who knows you, and who don't know you. That's how you're going to win. Right. It's not what you look like and all the training that you put into it. So he introduced me to powerlifting and just mm-hmm. basically told me one thing. I'll train you. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, and you know what I'm going to say, it was funny. He said, well, I don't know if I, I told you this, but he said to me, if you don't like it, you can go back to that sissy sport. And that's exactly <laughs> what he said to me 30-some years ago. I swear he did. So this this rivalry between powerlifters and, and bodybuilders has been around forever. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, you know what? And now I understand why there's such a rivalry there now. I, I really figured it out. But, yeah. yeah, he said that to me. And he said, I, I just think that you're going to love it. You're mm-hmm. going to get into it. And it's you do or don't. That's it. At the end of the day. The strongest woman and the strongest man win. That's right. it. Period. It does not matter what you look like. And all this work and all mm-hmm. this time that you put in the gym, just like bodybuilders do, it pays off at the end of the day. Right. Right. Without no judgment. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. So, yeah. So now we're Krista the power lifter. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yes. let, me, let me ask you this. I think um, one of the things that we talk a lot about on this podcast and, you know, one of the things that we, um, especially as black women, I think have to deal with is, mm. you know, how we see ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really get the opportunity to see ourselves represented in the media at all. You know, when mm-hmm. you think about what has been touted as the standard of beauty, it's mm-hmm. very, you know, homogenous. It's tall, it's white, it's skinny. I mean, yep. point blank period. So Probably doll. Right. So mm-hmm. how was, you know, both growing up and sort of transitioning kind of in bodybuilding, out of bodybuilding into powerlifting, how did that affect how you saw yourself as a black woman, like your body image? You know what's funny? I never thought about it no other way. Just hmm. any way. Really? I never looked at, no, I have, I, that's funny, I know, mm-hmm. but I never thought about my body as a black female in a certain way one way or the other I never thought about it and it was never brought to me wow that's amazing I, I know so I, I didn't experience it where there weren't a lot of black folk that's really right it yeah. never you know what I think um I experienced more positive when it came to you're an athlete right and you're good mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think people just look past the I'm a black female Right. Or right. what my body is supposed to look like, like you right. said, or mm-hmm. society says it's supposed to. I never encountered, Brianna, any of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and not Now, as an adult now, yes, I've encountered some certain things, but we talk about that, you know, right. geographically. But right. ne- never as um, growing up and being mm-hmm. in sports all my life, and then I just, I was always looked at as you're just good, and that's it. Right. That's how I, it was very black and white. Right, right. Yeah, so do I you never think got it, as far as bodybuilding is, is concerned, even though, I mean, bodybuilding is an aesthetic sport. I mean, it always yes. has been, obviously. Yes. But do you think it's because at that point in time, it really was just about muscularity and not necessarily about, like, aesthetics and looking, you know, decidedly female or looking fit? You know what I mean? Like, I think now's a little bit different because I think there's more aspects. If You know, I mean, sometimes people look at it and say it's kind of a beauty pageant, right? Right. Um, do you think that people back then still didn't necessarily, even though you, they were looking it wasn't at accepted. your muscles, they weren't looking at you? It wasn't accepted. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it wasn't okay. accepted. It wasn't okay. accepted then. It's even harder now. Right. I, I don't know what it is about the threat of a mm-hmm. female having muscles mm-hmm. and being in shape and right. being in great health. Right. I don't know what that is. I still haven't figured that out to this day. What yeah. is it that's so threatening about a female that has a total package? Right. And I, I think when it comes back to it, like you said, it's all in what society uh, expects to see. Right. A woman should look this way. Who right. said that? Exactly. A woman exactly. should do this, barefoot and pregnant, be in the, in the kitchen. Right. Who said that? Right. You know, so you're right about, I think it's never really totally been accepted. You know that from back mm-hmm. when we were talking about the bodybuilders back when Carla Dunlap and Rachel right. McClish. Rachel McClish had that bodybuilding look. Right. She also had that feminine foo-foo look, that right. Barbie doll look. Right. That's why she was the poster child when you got other women that came and sat next to them that had a little bit of muscularity. Right. It was frowned upon. Right. It was frowned right. upon. So, yeah, you're right. It's, I think it's very still judgmental mm-hmm. on how a woman's supposed to look aesthetically, like you said. Right, right. Yeah. 
So t- talk to us about, um, you know, powerlifting. So when did you do your, when did you decide to compete? When did you do your first competition? Like, when did uh, you really start getting into it? Oh, this is, this is lovely. Okay, so from um, 1985 to 87, what's that, three years, 87, I competed mm-hmm. in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Then I took a year, uh, not even close to a year, to figure out which, which way did I want to go here. Right. Okay. So I was still in the gym, still training, but I was trying to figure out, should I try powerlifting or should I stay with bodybuilding? Right. I came up with my decision to try powerlifting. Mm-hmm. So in that, but uh, not that year, but we'll say between 80, just 88 itself, I kind of just trained and I figured it out. I was like, I want to do powerlifting. So the guy who came up to me, his name was Bob Sidebottom. Mm-hmm. He said to me, I'll train you. I said, he said, give me 16 weeks to train you, mm-hmm. prep you, mm-hmm. get you ready, and l- teach you the technique to powerlifting. Right. Then we, and if you want to, we'll go ahead and put you in your first meet. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. That happened in 1989. Mm-hmm. That was my first competition, powerlifting competition in Avon, Indiana. Mm-hmm. He had prepped me, got me ready. We had trained together. Now, he had already competed in powerlifting before. Okay. He was a lot older than me, a lot older, like 20-something years plus older than me. Mm-hmm. So he was already familiar with what it meant to, to, comp- to compete at the sport. What he did was he took me to that competition in Avon, Indiana. Mm-hmm. He competed as well. So he was in the competition with me. Uh-huh. In that competition, there was only 20 people. Wow. And out of the 20, there was only how many women was us? About one, two, three, four. About five women. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was it. 1989, I was 23 years old. I did my first powerlifting competition right there in Indiana mm-hmm. with Bob Sidebottom, who was my um, partner in the gym as well as my trainer who trained me how to powerlift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was wonderful. He really? did it. It went exactly like he said. He said to me, you know, like, if you don't like it, you can go back. Right. But I just don't think you're not going to like it. And mm-hmm. he was right. At mm-hmm. the end of that day, and I'll tell you this one thing that was really, that stuck out about that competition, not because it was just my first. One of the girls that was in my class, mm-hmm. I swear, she looked like Brigitte Nelson, the one who used to be married to Sylvester Stallone. Yes. <laughs> okay. She had the same haircut, blonde, mm-hmm. white girl, tall, looked mm-hmm. just like her. That's why I always remember that competition. It was my first, but she was my competition. Now, she was strong and big and tall, that mm-hmm. all that, but I still won at the end of the day. I'd only not won that competition. I won best overall lifter, too, just my first time through the shoot. Okay, I know that's right. I was on fire. <laughs> all I, I say to him was after we got done, Bree, as I said, when's our next When's comp- the next one? When's the next one? <laughs> and he said, okay, let's go. Let's he do said, it. Yes, and so it was. It was really cool. Um, like I said, and it was. It was held in a little bitty gym. When I say little, little, little wow. gym. They once they pulled out the some of the equipment, mm-hmm. it was small. Wow. So it was. It was really small. So, but it was. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was sold after that day. Wow. So, yeah, and here we are, thirty something years later. <laughs> 35, 35, I I think, I still, it still boggles me, but anyway. And so during that time, did you pretty much regularly compete um, yearly or did you like take some time off and some other things? Okay. Okay. Consistent from 1989 
all the way to now, 2019. Wow. And in that time, um, you know, like I said, there's so many bazillions of, of accolades we can talk about, <laughs> yeah. but um, just in turn, right? <laughs> just in terms <laughs> of um, powerlifting. So you were um, a member of the U.S. National and World Powerlifting Team. Um, you went to the Goodwill Games. Oh, um, I did. That was wonderful. Oh my got god, a gold so much medal fun. There, mm-hmm. yep. Um, eleven national championship titles yep. and seven world championship titles. Yep. I mean, I don't like that. Is just That's beyond it. comprehension for me. <laughs> Now, during all of this time, were you powerlifting full time? Were you working? Like, how are you Uh, balancing your life? Okay, here we go with this one. This is where we multitask, right? But I I did, I did have the opportunity uh, to be fully sponsored as an athlete at one time in my life, which was wonderful. Wow, and such a rarity. It is very rare. And you know why it's so much rare in our sport? Because we're not in a mainstream sport. Exactly. But we're having to be able to sign a million-dollar contract to be an athlete. Right. So you have to kind of, we're in those non-mainstream sports where you just kind of have to either find sponsorship Right. To take care of your living and traveling and training and mm-hmm. so forth. Or you got to work a job and try to figure it out. Well, right. for the first, from 1989 through 1997, I worked a full-time job, trained mm-hmm. full-time, competed full-time. So I was basically doing three jobs. Wow. I did not mind because, one, I was way younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. And I had a lot I had of energy. more energy. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And I didn't mind, you know, I worked my nine to five, but Mm -hmm. I also, you could, you could count me in every day. I'd be in that gym at 5 p.m. I was there. And when it was time for me to get ready to compete and do my training, I was, I was on it. So I did a lot of multitasking in the very, very very beginning. In 1997, Mm -hmm. I was very blessed to run into two millionaires who Hmm. took me. And they took me under the, their wing, mm-hmm. told me to quit my job, that they needed me to focus on one thing. And that is being the best that I already was then, but right. really just focusing on being an athlete, being a powerlifter. And at that time, I was bobsledding and powerlifting both sports. Wow. So mm-hmm. I had went and was doing bobsled and powerlifting and working. Mm-hmm. And then when I got a, a chance to meet up with these guys they took me underneath their wing and then i had one other sponsor came behind them okay okay um so and yeah so if so, you yeah go ahead I, I was gonna say i feel like this is a really good time to segue just momentarily because it's it's like it's i know we're here to talk about powerlifting but this mm-hmm. is like so huge we can't not talk about it so <laughs> i need to understand mm-hmm. how you ended up on the olympic platform with the U.S. bobsled team. How did that even happen as a powerlifter? Well, uh, I, I was at a award ceremony in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I was being given an award for my powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And this white girl walked mm-hmm. up to me. Her name was Krista, just like mine. Mm. And she said out of the blue, you should go try out for the bobsled team. And I said what (laughs) and she said the bobsled team they are looking for strong women they need strong women on the team right now period and i said well i don't know anything about bobsled all i know is winter it's cold (laughs) that's all i know and and i I, i'm like you don't understand what color i am right we don't like we don't do Uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh." 
don't do cold. We don't do cold. We don't do cold. Summer all day long, but not no cold. Oh, so goodness. long story short behind that, she basically just told me who I needed to call up in mm-hmm. Lake Placid, New York at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid. And she said, you need to talk to a Steve Mayorka, who was the coach at that time for the women's bobsled team. Mm-hmm. She said, here we go with another suggestion. I'm telling you, all these things are divine mm-hmm. because they came, mm-hmm. she came by way and said, you'd be a good bobsledder. Wow. And I was like, okay, I don't know nothing about the sport. But she said, just call him. Mm-hmm. See if you can go up there and do the trials. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I called him. He said, come. I mm-hmm. went. <laughs> he said, this is, uh, this is, uh, and they were just so ecstatic to have me there only because I'm strong mm-hmm. already. The girls that I saw there, weak, mm-hmm. little, mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. And I understood why the U.S. for the women, they weren't winning. They, right. they, these girls from Germany and right. Great Britain, they were killing us. Right. I right. see why, because then those girls are 5'11", 230 pounds. Hello. Right. right. So... That's kind of how that all came to be. Now, when I first tried out for the bobsled team, I didn't know nothing about bobsled. I don't know nothing about the sport. I didn't know nothing about any of it. I had to do my research on that, too, as well. Right. But at that time, Bree, women's bobsled was not an Olympic sport. It was for the men only. Right, right. So, here we go. And before that, women had been banned from bobsledding since 1940. Oh my gosh! And all based on this. This is a this is a nice little uh, true fact. Mm-hmm. There was a lady who bobsledded on a male team mm-hmm. back in 1940. Her name was Catherine Dewey, mm-hmm. and she was the granddaughter of the Dewey Decimal I was System. Say, okay. In the library, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was her grandfather who started that. Right. Mm-hmm. So she bobsled it. They won. And they said no women. And they banned Unbelievable. it. Right then and there. And, and, then, and here was the reason. Because that right there is going to hinder a woman from having birthing children. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and she, she should, you know, she can't be a woman doing this kind of a sport that's dangerous. And it's basically what they said was it was going to kill her chances of having children. Unbelievable. And they banned it. So they didn't bring it back until 1994. That's when I called Steve. Wow. But Steve told me I just missed the trials. I had to wait till the next year. So I waited till 95 to go back mm-hmm. up there, to mm-hmm. go up there. Mm-hmm. And that's how that all came to be. So it was not inducted into the Olympics at all until the end of 1999. Mm. I was already on the team. Right. And then we talked about that. I was the first. Well, you already know. Wow. What were we going to say? I was the first black female to ever do the sport. Right. Especially right. for the United States, as well as, now at that time, they had the Jamaican bobsled guys. Right. Yes, that's right. true. But they didn't have the women. Yeah. And they didn't have any other black women from anywhere in the country doing it. I was the first on the team here and then the first in the sport to ever um, do the sport and it wasn't an olympic sport at the time it's just more like we followed the guys but yeah. it's still a sport we still did everything they did which just right. wasn't olympics for the women yeah unbelievable yeah unbelievable yeah. now were you, i don't and i i didn't look up the technical terms but were you like mm. the tail dog <laughs> like, i was the tail i was okay. one in the back <laughs> okay 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 so i'll just give you a, a quick synopsis of this okay mm-hmm. so in, in bobsled there's only uh, a two-woman bobsled team 
Mm -hmm. There's a two-man bobsled, and there's a four-man bobsled. They do not have any four-woman bobsled teams to date. Huh. I wonder why that is. Well, because it's a lot more dangerous to crash a a bobsled that holds four people than it is to, to hold two. That's true. It's heavier. Yeah. It's more harder to maneuver. Right. And to push it, you got to have some really strong women. Right. Four of them. Right. To be able right. to push a, it's easier for two women to push us. Two women mm-hmm. bobsled, bobsled, mm-hmm. versus a four. Four is longer. It's bigger. And I'm, I'll just equate it to this. It's kind of like having VW versus Cadillac. Look. Ah, gotcha. gotcha. Okay. Smaller. The other one's mm-hmm. longer, bigger. That kind of thing. So. There's only two, there's two positions, your driver mm-hmm. and your brakeman. Your mm-hmm. brakeman is the bigger or the stronger and the faster in the back of the sled. Because once you start pushing the sled together, the driver brake get jumps, I mean, the driver brakes, jumps in. Right. And the brakeman keeps pushing, 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 pushing. Then they jump in. Right. Then the driver takes over driving the sled. Right. So, you're, and then at the end of the track... When you're all done, the brakeman is the one who puts the brakes on. They're in the mm-hmm. back of the sled. Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. They slow down the whole sled. Right. They have to stop the sled. So oh, wow. there's So, and with the four being the guys, you have the driver, you have the second man, the third mm-hmm. man, and you have the brakeman, which okay. is the fourth guy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what was the training like? Like, was it was just more, I mean, oh, obviously you practice bobsledding, I'm assuming, but like, were you... <sighs> You know, still lifting at that point. Yes. Like, what what kind of training were you doing? Now, this is where it gets sticky. Mm-hmm. Powerlifting is more condensed, controlled motion. Right. Bobsledding is a lot of quick, twitchy, fast motion. Mm. You're supposed to be strong, but you also have to be fast, which means we did a lot of sprint work. Oh lord. Which means <laughs> if I'm over here trying to slow everything down. Right. My muscles are getting totally confused when I'm going over here and I'm popping my hamstring every time I turn around because I'm having to take off really fast. Right, right, right. Okay, so I, in in trying to uh, combine the two types of training, Mm -hmm. it was very difficult. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I say very difficult, I had to turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on. And in the middle of all that, I was constantly... Uh, being worked on by the physical trainer, the physical therapist, mm. the chiropractors. Mm-hmm. I was always in the uh, athletic training room, mm-hmm. constantly getting iced down, right. rubbed down, just loosened up. Right. Because once I went and transitioned over to my bobsled training, and then I had to go back to my powerlifter training, I had I had a hard time. When I say a hard time, I was always popping my hamstrings because oh. I was having to run behind something that was heavy right versus putting something on my back and just going up and down right. and one can i didn't wasn't doing anything fast right exactly so that was the the difference the the good thing about it was that because i was so strong i was able to pop that bobsled fast and hard right right, right. but how I was old just, were you at this time i was in my late 20s when I think when I first got on Ooh, my late 20s so when I was heavy into it it was in my early 30s mm, that is yeah. amazing yeah because most of the other girls on the team were they just babies 
right 18 right. i call them trust fund babies because that's about <laughs> what they were i was gonna a say that's money. probably not a cheap sport either no a like lot sports, of money a so. lot of money a lot of money and you know what i equated to all the time i used to tell people all the time bobsledding is like race car driving on ice mm. very expensive those bobsleds range from ten thousand up to your highest end at 60 grand Holy for a bobsled that's more than a well that's like wow. taking IndyCar and sticking it on ice. That's what it's like. Wow. Once you crash it, yeah, you got to replace it. It's you got to replace it. it. <laughs> right. You got to replace it. And then here we go with the money. Wow. wow. And winter sports are expensive anyway. Yeah. 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 You don't take nothing to put some track shoes on and run right. down the street. Or grab a basketball. Or grab a basketball and, and, and put it in a hoop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. putting, uh, being in a winter sport, all of them. They're right. very, and they take you away from home for six months at a time. Yeah. Plus the equipment's different. The I equipment. Mean, exactly. Wow. That's amazing. Exactly. Huge difference. Huge that's difference. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So which Olympics were, did you participate in? I, well, okay. Here's the, here's the thing. I tried out for the 2002. Okay. Okay. My uh, driver got hurt in our second heat going down. She popped her Achilles tendon. Oh, my goodness. That threw us out. And then uh, I retired. Mm, okay. And it was okay. I mean, it was all right. Because, yeah. you know, I, I, did my, I did my thing, but that yeah. was um, as far as – and I was, the, I was a part of, obviously, the first women to ever do the sport. Right, 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 right. So it wasn't uh, – it was a nice ride. Yeah. But it was okay, right. you know. I mean, but I could say it. I at least to, was – You don't have to wonder what if, right? <laughs> Right. Now, the, the, the thing that that was my honor in the sport was I was a, a part of Team ASA 1 with uh, my driver's name was Jill Bakken at the time. She was the baby of the whole team. She was like mm -hmm. 18 or something like that. Mm -hmm. We did a World Cup race in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And not only did we break, and, and this is where the breakman goes in, we broke a, a um, push track record. Which mm -hmm. means that's the brakeman at the very beginning. Those first sixty yards, right? The track record was something like five point something seconds. We got it in. I think it was like five point two or five point three seconds. Uh -huh. Three, no, it was like five point three six seconds. We broke it in five point two something seconds. So that we broke a record, and also we won a gold medal that day in that World Cup race, and that was the first that ever happened for the United States. So I was mm. a part of that. I was on that team. It was me and her. Wow. That is so that was kind of cool. And then, then Adidas was our sponsor, so we got a yeah. nice little paycheck at the end of the nice. day, that kind of thing. Yeah, so. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. just spends chills down my yeah. spine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so w while you were competing, and, and you mentioned it, so I know that, like, it, it wasn't lost on you, but, like, what did that feel like knowing that, you know, uh, once again, you were, like, you were the first, right, um, mm. person to sort of, you know, African-American woman to sort of break through this, this mm -hmm. not only barrier for African-American women, but women, women in general, because it hadn't women. happened in 40-something right. years. Exactly. Like, what, what did that, what did that feel like for you? Like, how did that sort of shape you know, kind of what you did and how you did it. I will say this. It was cool being the first, mm -hmm. but it's hard being a pioneer. Mm. Ooh. It's mm. really mm -hmm. hard being a pioneer. And so all these people, Bree, who have come before us, they were pioneers of something. Right. You have the Athea Gibsons, who was the mm -hmm. first black female 
tennis player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This all comes with a price. Mm. A big wow. price. If it's mm-hmm. not prejudice that you're dealing with hidden, mm-hmm. it's prejudice that you're going to be, you're going to deal with the prejudice. Right. And for me, it was cool, but I, it was, it was very stressful to, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. And yeah. would I trade it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do the experience again. Right. But I did learn a lot mm-hmm. and it's cool to have bragging rights like right. that. Yeah, so I would say out of all of that, it's cool to have the bragging rights to say I was the first. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, it came with a price. It comes with a price. It comes Absolutely. with a price. And even with the, the trials and all that that happened, it always comes with a price somewhere. But the, the, the thing about it that I really, I think, uh, took away from the whole experience for me was that um, I've always been introduced to non-mainstream, male-dominated, good old boy network sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that meant from, day, not necessarily powerlifting as much, but uh, some of these other ones that I've been introduced to have been really main, just male-dominated and right. not necessarily, and I was usually the minority. Yeah. You know, and so I was kind of used to that. Right. You know, but right. it's cool. It's cool, and and you know something else too that 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 I really took away from it, actually my bobsledding years and all mm-hmm. the years I did it was that I got something everybody wanted, mm. and that's kind of cool. Yeah, because yeah. I was I could say I don't have to say a word. I could just sit back, and the minute right. I perform, right, I got something they want. And and the thing about it is nobody can ever take that away from you. That's ever. right. That's right. And right. that's what to me dealing with prejudice for the first time ever in any sport I've ever competed in, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was the first time I've ever experienced it. But my way of doing it in a silent way back was my performance. Right. And right. you're right. They couldn't take that. I don't care they didn't like me because of the color of my skin. Right. It didn't matter to me at the end of the day because guess what? I'm still coming across that line. Look, I got the receipts. That's right. <laughs> As That's they say, right. I got That's the receipts. Right. That's right. Check That's my right. record, boo. That's Check right. Check my record. That's right. Proof's in the pudding, right? That's what yeah. my grandmother used to say. Yep. 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 So, yeah, with all of that, that was that was basically it with that as far as like it was cool and everything. But it, it, it always kind of any pioneer. Yeah. Any start of anything, you're going to come with it. It's going to come with a price somewhere. Amazing. Yeah. Well, well, I and I'm sure a lot of other people listening, thank you for making that sacrifice. Because <laughs> I mean, without listen, without you, there's no us. I mean, point yeah. blank, just like those before you, without them, there's no you. So I agree. It, it's, I you totally know, it, it really is a, a huge circle of life. So I just again, you know, I'm so appreciative that you were there to kind of break through those barriers. Oh, thank you. Um, so, you know, we, so we're back to powerlifting and, uh, you know, you're passion. doing your thing, you're, you're smoking, you're yeah. showing up and showing out uh, at these meets, uh, you know, you, I mean, uh, snatching wigs. I mean, the whole <laughs> nine. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, as you were kind of, you know, sure you're in your competing time and all of that. Mm-hmm. What did a typical like week of training look like for you? Were you training every day? Like what, what, mm-hmm. what did that look like for you? Four days a week. Four days a week. Okay. So we okay. did a, what do you call it? A four day, three day split. And yeah. I totally get that now. Yeah. I was taught when I finally got with my coaches. Now, mind you, when I got on a national level, 
coming off of, and I wasn't on a, a novice level for very long. Right. But when I started to play with the big girls, mm-hmm. it took me a long time, years, to become a national champion. Right. Because all these women that were already there, they were not letting you knock them off of their pedestal. Right. And I'm a rookie. Right. So I learned a lot with that. So we'll just say with my training in general, when I started powerlifting, it was told to me by Bob, who was training me at first, and then I got into the um, the coaches that I had mm-hmm. all along, and they were already multi-world champions, multi-record holders, multi-this, mm-hmm. multi-that. They were already there. When I got with them, they were telling me, very, very important to rest. Mm-hmm. This is a strength extravaganza co- uh, sport. Mm-hmm. You have to rest your body. You cannot keep pounding it and pounding it and pounding it and thinking that it's going to keep giving you back stuff. So they they definitely made me understand four days on, mm-hmm. three days off, regardless mm-hmm. of how you split it up, it doesn't right. matter. Just make right. sure you got three days off to rest your body, recuperate and recover. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you'll always come back fresh, refreshed and stronger. Right. So on a typical training when I once I started getting on a national level we'll say up until then I would train maybe five days right. I still would have two days off but yeah. on, uh, but I scaled it back to a four day three day split once mm-hmm. I started getting up the ladder there yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now do you um on the on the days that you're training or you know you're training then would, were you mainly focused on the three lifts or did you also do any sort of accessory everything work? all okay. of it okay yeah. okay so what I never changed my training as far as uh, what I did in the gym. I did my full body. I did my back, legs, and biceps together. I did mm-hmm. my chest, shoulders, and triceps together. I did the muscles that go together. I was taught that. See, in the beginning, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know that you train certain muscles tie into one another in your body. Right. Those are the ones you train together. You don't train them separate. You don't train a um, your bicep with your chest. You're not even right. working the same muscles. So. Right. Once I learned that and putting the right body parts together, I always did my assistance workout. And the only time that I would do my disciplines was when I was actually getting ready to compete. Now, some people train different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did not squat, bench, or deadlift, but I did everything else. Right. I did leg curls, leg extension, everything for my legs, everything for right. my back, everything for my biceps, everything for everything. So I did all of my sisters workouts. So when I would hit those disciplines was when I was getting ready to compete. So I would mm-hmm. put that in with everything else. But I would right. still have a full training day. Mm-hmm. Hitting my body parts I was supposed to hit that day. A light and a heavy day. Whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And I never switched up from that. And to this day I still do that. I still and do the know, same I, thing. I really, I really hope that people are listening to this because mm. one of the things that I tend to see a lot of, mm. um, you know, just again, and we'll get into this a little bit, but just sort of with the advent of social media and, you know, mm. the sport becoming more visible, you, you, there's almost this sort of like, there's this sentiment that, you know, if, if you're hardcore, you know, you don't do accessory work, you know, accessory oh, work is boy. for sissies. You just yeah. do big three. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and that's why your yeah. knees are jacked up. That's it. Back. You're always that's injured. You that's can't it. even get through a whole, tr- you know, training that's competition it. season because you're always injured. And I'm like, dude, exactly. like, I'm just happy to hear somebody at your level say that and say how yes. important it is to, to do all of the things all, holistically. Everything. 
I don't exactly. I think there's, you know, this this huge thing nowadays that people don't do that. And I'm just like, nope. I don't think that's the way that's supposed to work. <laughs> and and Bree, I'll tell you this. This is a perfect way to 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 kind of uh, put a synopsis on that. Uh-huh. You have to have balance. Yes. Period. Ooh, say it again. Say Period. It again. You have to have balance. <laughs> balance is very very important for any athlete in yes. any sport mm-hmm. you have to develop a balance yes so when it comes to us weightlifting bodybuilding whatever you have to give all your body parts equal attention equal attention you can't right. just do one and think okay. the other ones and then you you know I'm, you're gonna laugh about this that's why all these guys in the gym looking like spongebob <laughs> okay you already know what i'm gonna say it drives me nuts what happened to your legs you don't have any. Your little no toothpicks. They got all that big upper body walking around with their little wife beaters on trying right. to be all. And I'm like, where are your legs? That we looks call, so incredibly crazy. We call them prison workouts because y'all just exactly all day long. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's true. So right. it's all about balance. And even right. with powerlifting, even with weight training, period. I don't care if you never compete. Right. Balance comes with anaerobic, anaerobic. Mm-hmm. Weight training. And cardio, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. And jelly, yes. A sister's workout go with your disciplines. Yes. And yes. even if you don't do your disciplines and you don't do powerlifting at all, still you need to do all the training that goes with each body part. Yes. And my, my other pet peeve is is that kind of goes along with with the men with the really big the upper little. bodies and you don't see anything <laughs> else is women who think that I'm just going I'm just going to do work for my booty and I'm not going to train that's anything it. else. I'm like so you're going to have this big butt and that's it's it. going to be sitting up on Twizzlers. That's like, it. Come on. That's it. <laughs> not that's how it. it works and you know that's social that's all yeah. this social stuff out here yep. now all these girls with the big booties they think that's the thing and that's a, yeah. to any to the to the to the watchful eye the professional eye like myself or anybody else yourself you yeah. can look at that and go oh you can see the imbalance you don't get right. it that's not it's no not balanced yeah you're right and it's it 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 really does look foolish yeah they don't yeah. understand that you, you got these little uh, action figures right Right. Now, now they're doing better. Well, they're yeah. giving the, the action figures of He-Man and all the Superman. They have a big bottom and a big Give top. Give them some legs. <laughs> right. But before, they used to have it the other way around. Yeah. Right? And but I think people true. also don't necessarily see the connection and tie-in between, you know, whatever that strength sport or whatever it is that you're training for. You still got to be functional because you have a life to live. Like I can't, exactly. you know, I am a mom. I'm a, I'm an employee. Yep. I'm a daughter. Yep. I'm yep. a wife. I still have to be able to move around in my exactly. everyday life and do the things that I'm supposed to do. Right. Exactly. I'm not a full-time athlete, so I can't, you know, I have right. to do things that will enable me right. to, you know, not only go in and do my squat bench dead, but also be able to like bend over and get out of bed and like exactly. be flexible. Right. So it, it, it does. It all, it all goes back to balance. It does. Um, one of the other things I wanted to um, kind of talk a little bit about is, and, and we've kind of you know touched on this in, at various points, but you know, obviously, like I said, you know, one of the great things I think about social media is that it has allowed much more visibility for a mm-hmm. lot of things, but particularly powerlifting and mm-hmm. you know some of these strength sports. As you mentioned you didn't really see a lot of women. You certainly didn't mm-hmm. see a lot of black women. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? 
has been or or is the biggest challenge because I do hear from from black women as a result of this podcast that mm-hmm. are like, oh, you know, this is really interesting. I'm 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 curious about powerlifting, but I don't know, or I'm nervous or scared. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think are some of the biggest obstacles or challenges to getting more not only black women but black girls involved in in strength sports? Um, and well, what can I, we do to change that? Right. We need, well, definitely we need to change the mindset. Right. Because this is what I hear. This is what I know from our own black, mm-hmm. women, black women. If we don't see instant results right away, we quit. Oh, yes. <laughs> quit. Yes. True. Facts. Strength training, period. Right. It's some work. Yeah. It's like taking 100 pounds off of you after you put all that on you. Right. It's some work. Absolutely. And I found that a lot of us in this particular sport, not mm-hmm. say track and field, we have a natural ability to run fast. Right. Um, that's why some sports you don't see a lot of black females in because it's hard, Brie. Yeah. And a lot of us, for some reason, I don't know why. It's just black females. Mm -hmm. We quit. We stop if we don't see instant results. We don't understand it if we just hang on a little longer. Right. Work it out. It will repay you back. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times, too, I think it's a lot of society of what we, black women, Mm -hmm. expect that we are supposed to look like. Yes. You're not supposed to be big and muscular. Right. You're not supposed to be strong. Right. You're supposed to be this fragile kind of black woman, but she still has her independence. Right. But it's the look. Yeah. So a lot of people shy away from strength sports especially Mm -hmm. black women because Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily they're worried about the next person what they'll think about what they look like because i guarantee you start lifting weights you're going to get muscles yeah that's a guarantee yeah and so i think a lot of times that when angela bassett came out with uh what's love got to do with it and she had that body and that muscularity and she trained for six months two days Mm -hmm. a week two two times a day to get that look that was the look that tina turner had right back then she had that kick butt body with the striations and the beautiful legs Mm -hmm. and those those very vasculine and big biceps and her arms were just ah she was the Michelle Obama then. Exactly. Or I should put it the other way around. Michelle is the <laughs> Tina now. Right, right, right. exactly. So exactly. until she came out with all that, people, black women were like, you know, wow, Angela Bass's body was off the chain. Yes. So it's a good look. But yeah. I just think that black women are afraid of that look for some reason. I don't know what it is where they feel like they're going to be too threatened uh, threatening with that look right. right or i don't know what it is well but, and i think yeah. society too like you mentioned i think you know society as a whole you know particularly for women is yeah. you're nothing without a mate right that's it so if you it doesn't you're matter gonna... what you go on to accomplish in your right. life people are still going to ask you are you yep. married do you yep. have kids yep. you know and yep. i think yep. because society has been structured such that that's supposed to be yep. like our 
prize at the end of the day, anything that doesn't feed into that is, is deemed to be scary or deemed to be unacceptable for us. Um, I see that that's changing some, um, but you know, like I said, it's just, it's good to hear that, that messaging reinforced because, you know, and what I tell a lot of women too, is that once you start taking the emphasis off the physical, I mean, off like the appearance, the aesthetics, yep. and put the emphasis on whatever those non-aesthetic goals are, getting stronger, you know, <sighs> developing bone density so that's you don't it. heal over and break a hip Wait, when you're older. That's it. A lot of times the that's aesthetic it. stuff happens anyway. I agree. You know, I totally I agree. Think, like you said, if we would just take the time to, to to understand that just like anything else, you have to develop one thing powerlifting has has helped me develop even more than I already had was patience uh, because it is not something and I see it so uh-huh. much online you know these people are comparing themselves to you know oh well I can't I you know whatever that big number is well I can't yeah. I can't dead you know I can't deadlift yeah. three plates yet well how right. long have you been powerlifting right. you know three months right and you're no. like what yeah, you got like, years nah, years sis, you got yep. you got to put in years. the work and the effort and I years. think you know, part of the issue is that not enough people are talking about that part of the process because they want to sell the pretty sexy part of it, right? They right. want to make money as these quote unquote coaches and doing all these things. So they sell right. them, they're selling this very edited imagery of what powerlifting is and what it looks like and going into your first meet and sweeping the meat when that doesn't always happen. Oh, it rarely no. happens, especially yes. if you get on a more elite level. So yes. I really, you know, A, I'm glad that there are folks that have been around to see the evolution like yourself so you uh-huh. can tell the real story, but also let people know that if you if you are patient and you put in the time, it's gonna happen. Right? It will. Your body has to change. It just it will. does. It's just the way it works. And you know something, too? This is what I tell a lot of people, and I have told this many times, even on the speaking circle when I'm sitting in front of audience of people. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to look and feel good for the rest of your life? Exactly. Don't you want to be strong so that when you're older and you fall down, these people are breaking their hips because they're not strong enough to hold themselves. And they're not even 80 and 90. they like Hello. <laughs> Hello. You already know. know. What I mean? Right. Seriously. Exactly. And I tell people that all the time. You know, I, even to this day, don't you want to feel and look good? Don't yeah. you want to be? You should want to be strong so right. that when you do get older, and you might have that fall. You're able to catch yourself before you break something. Exactly. Because you're strong enough to hold yourself. Or we'll just say with your, your legs. When most of the uh, older generation, when they fall, they break their hip. Right. Their legs are so weak. Exactly. exactly. Their legs are so weak. So then you have the Ernestine Shepherds who's out there mm-hmm. at 80 years old looking yep. f- absolutely phenomenal. Fabulous. And all she says is this one little easy fix. Mm-hmm. Exercise, eat right. That's Exercise it. And eat well. right. That's all and you need to do in you your whole life. Your life doesn't mean exactly you can't have fun. Doesn't mean exactly. you can't have pizza. But just like exactly, you know, it, it comes back to balance. You know, and that's all it is. And you just wanna, you just wanna feel good, and you wanna yeah. live a long life and be healthy. Yeah. And whatever which way you gotta do that, I think right. it's 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 all positive. You don't have to. Everybody don't have to be a competitor. No. Everybody don't have to be an athlete. You just gotta have a lot of pride and love about yourself. That you want yeah, to make sure that you take care of this body that is not hooked one. up with right exactly, and it's not hooked up to anything to yeah. make it function. 
Right. Find that thing. And I tell people all the time, find that thing that you love and you're passionate about. Your passion. You'll always want to do it. It won't ever seem like, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't always want to go in the gym and train necessarily. Some days I'm tired and I'm sore, but at the end of the day, I love it. So I get up and do it. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's going to make me feel better. I know I'm going to you know, have a better outlook because of it. And so that's why I do it. But if I was doing something I didn't love, I wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So another another thing I wanted to ask you about again, because, you know, we touched on this a little bit, but being that you've been in this sport for so long mm-hmm. and, you know, you've had that longevity and I don't know, like sort of your specific history, but mm-hmm. how are you able to do this for 35 years and be able to, I, I'm assuming, stay relatively injury free? I've had my injuries. Okay. 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 Um, and some of them came by way of, I know what I'm doing and I still got injured. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I just have, honestly, I have grown to be very smart about this. Mm, okay. That's what's keeping me pretty much in the clear. I've had my injuries. Don't get me yeah. wrong. And I've yeah. had, I've had three rotator cuff tears mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. repairs. Mm-hmm. Those all came from benching, mm-hmm. and I knew what I was doing. It was just time. It's just, I guess, after a while, sometimes your body just be like, okay, enough. Right, right, okay. right. Um, I've had two ACLs. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them had nothing to do with powerlifting. Mm. Uh, both of them had to do and nothing with bobsled. They just mm-hmm. had to do with me running and doing something. I was playing football with one, and I oh, popped okay. that. Mm-hmm. And then I was um, running through an airport. Oh, wow. Trying to get to a plane, jumped mm-hmm. over something, came down and popped, you know, your your, your ACL, just go. Oh, my gosh. Um, and other than that, other than I had, um, the only other thing I've had with me, and that came from a car accident, I had a pelvic break. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting about that, and I'll just say this because, can nobody tell me on this earth that if you don't have a life-threatening accident mm-hmm. and you come out of it, um, that everything might not be fixed to being more like a bionic woman. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. Mm-hmm. I broke my pelvic big time. I was, mm-hmm. a, I was in a life-threatening accident car. Mm-hmm. Once I broke my pelvic and got it fixed, my orthopedic surgeon who fixed my pelvic told me this. He said, Krista, I got a strange feeling that you're going to break that 600-pound barrier that you've been wanting to look after about your squat. Mm-hmm. At that time, I hadn't hit the record yet. Right. Okay. But I was, and I hadn't got in the 600 pound club yet. Right. I was working on it. Right. He said, once I put this titanium plate and these, uh, this metal plate in your pelvic and these titanium screws, he said, I got a feeling that you'll be squatting off of your plate, not your bones no more. Oh, wow. And I swear it happened right after he did it. Uh-huh. I, I I hit my 600 pound mark and then I went, I just, and then I started going after the world record and I got it. I was going to say, and just just as an aside for y'all, um, mm. she does actually hold the women's world record for 628 pounds, 0.2 pounds. Thank you I very much. I do, in the world, <laughs> in the 181 women. And, yes. that, and that's in, yes. And that's a, that's a record that um, it took me six years to get once I, once the girl who said it broke it and retired from the mm-hmm. sport, it mm-hmm. took me six years after that to get that same record. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I had to. I had to break it by five pounds. Yeah. So in saying all of that, that it's, it's just, um, it's just really kind of funny how 
things happen in your life and and something unexpected comes out of it just yeah. like something like that I, I i was working on it but it's he just had a theory and it came true so what does your recovery look like like you know we talked about rest days what other kind of things do you do to like you like said kind of keep yourself I, oh in the best God. shape possible i do a lot of extracurricular stuff mm-hmm. run i i go out to the park to stone mountain park and i run a lot mm-hmm. um i like to actually now, I never thought I'd say this, but I actually walk. I walk my little dog a lot. Mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. a lot. I love stuff out in nature. Okay. Um, when I'm not doing things like that, um, I play racquetball. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of little little things on the side mm-hmm, as far mm-hmm. as um, physical fitness is concerned. Anything that's got to do with physical fitness, I'm there. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to do it. Do you I still can. do physical therapy, chiropractic, massages? Do you now, do that stuff as well? I tell you what I got into, and it is a, a sure proof plan to any kind of little tweak or turn or injury that you might have. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of acupuncture. Mm-hmm. It really? works. I swear it works. Wow. Now, wow. it does not, if you have something torn, of course, right. that's not going to help. But you got anything that's tweaked or turned, every yeah. competition I've been to, and I tweaked or turned something, I go straight to my acupuncturist. Mm, interesting. So I do a lot of acupuncture, and mm-hmm. I do um, a lot of chiropractic, too. Mm-hmm. I like to be, my bones, oh, I feel so much better yes. when they crack them. And that was they, a game they, changer for me. <laughs> you, you already know this, so you know yeah. how it feels. Your ice and your stem and your mm-hmm. cracking, oh, my God, this feels wonderful. But acupuncture is the thing that I have been really... Uh, hooked on mm-hmm. for about four years now. Oh, wow. Prior that. to all of that, mm-hmm. I just, my recovery, I, I just was really, really fortunate. Yeah. That, um, I, now, this is one thing that is very true. I stretch a lot. Mm-hmm. A okay. lot. Stretching, and as I'm getting older, oh my God, it feels wonderful to stretch. Yeah. I don't even care if I stretch for 15 minutes. I'm yeah. in another world. It just yeah. feels so wonderful to be able to stretch and get your blood flowing yeah. and get everything loose and relaxed. Oh, so stretching is a huge key to being mm-hmm. a successful powerlifter. I will say that. And let me tell you something. It is so funny to me now that I, you know, when I, I have my program, yep. I know what I'm doing for the day, yep. I go in the gym in the morning. Some days I feel like I spend more time on mobility and warming up than I yep. do actually under the bar. Yep. But I'm just like, I don't care. Yep. <laughs> Cause That's right. I'm, I'm not about to get out here and play myself and, and, and exactly. take something. I, I, That's I'll it. take as much time as I need to so that I can walk tomorrow exactly. <laughs> and live another day to come back and train another day. And you and Bree, you're doing it right. That's I the mean, right way. Yeah, you yeah. want to warm up. You want to, and then you know, any track and field athlete, you don't just sit them out there on the cold right. track and go go run. Right. No, no, you stretch. You do all your plyometrics. You do everything you you you're doing yeah. everything you can to warm up and get that blood flowing. Yeah, and it's funny you I start. See, you know, and I I mean I'm. I'll be 48 this year, so I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. super old, but I'm not super young. But it's like I see some of these young people, and I'm like, mm-hmm, go on out there and keep, you know, man. turning your nose up at warming up for you get up under, that, under that bar and start uh, deadlifting and see what happens. Okay, pop, keep, pop, 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 pop. That's all. That'll be next. <laughs> you just see, you just hear the pops, Bree. Listen, pop, age, pop. age has a way of humbling you quite quickly. <laughs> it does. It does. It also makes us, we're so vetted and so smart. We're just smarter now yeah. that we think, yeah. we think we're smart. And so what I've experienced in all these years of doing this is I am an even much smarter lifter now. Right. 
Right. I know if something starts feeling funky, mm -hmm. I don't. I leave it alone. Don't Set it down. It. I'll come back to it a week later. And I'm okay. Yep. I ain't got to keep doing it. Yep. 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 Absolutely. So I want to, God, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, this just means that you have to come back and of course. do several more episodes of course. about all kinds of things. But, we can do a lot of follow-up. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, one of the things I like to do when I when I um, half guess on the podcast is just kind of ask some random wild card questions okay. a little bit about just to get to know them a little bit better. So okay. um, can, tell me about a book that has had a great impact on you that you've read. The Secret. Ah, yes. Yes. Ah, that's it. One of my favorites. That is it. And, you know, that really was. It's a changed my life. It it's, really yeah, was. Yeah, it's, it's changed life for everybody. I'll put the, um, I'll put all of the, the author and, and link in our, in our yeah, show notes too for people. Rhonda, Brian. Hey, when I first read it the first time, I clearly did not understand what they were talking about. Yeah. I didn't understand how it works. And then I started reading it a second time and I started listening to the audio and the whole thing is that the secret requires you to practice it every day. It's like homework. Yes. Yeah. It's like you're praying to God every day. You have to practice what the secret means, the right. law of attraction. You have to practice thinking and feeling good every day, every day. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's some work with it that. Is. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's a life changer for sure. Um, what's your favorite meal? Meal as in food or just yeah. a meal? Wow. I got so many. I'm not picky. <laughs> I'm not picky. I'm telling you, I'm such not a picky eater. Mm -hmm. I just, I love food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, a favorite, favorite. I love seafood. Any mm -hmm. kind of seafood. Oh, my God. Lobsters and crabs and okay. mussels. And I love any kind of seafood, any kind of fish. I mm -hmm. just adore seafood. So mm -hmm. seafood is my one of my... That has to be one of my favorites, okay. seafood, yeah. Do you, and speaking of that, do you, so, you know, when you're training and competing and all that, do you follow a particular type of way of eating, or you just kind of are just mindful of what you eat? Like, what do you typically do? I eat. Okay, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Simple and sweet. <laughs> you know what, so, it's so funny, and I tell people all this time, okay, I eat like a power lifter. Mm -hmm. I eat like a strong woman. Mm -hmm. I eat like, I don't eat like a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Bodybuilder diets, right? Right, right. I eat like an Olympic lifter. Mm -hmm. So basically what that means is this. Carbohydrates give me my energy. I mm -hmm. need my energy in order to lift the weights. Right. Pastas, potatoes, breads. I'm, mm -hmm. pa I'm putting it in me. Lots mm -hmm. of water, lots of fruit, lots of vegetables. I try, I try. I don't diet, but mm -hmm. I, I eat a lot. Okay. You put a lot in you, and I eat a lot all the time, mm -hmm. and I constantly am trying to put a lot of carbs, a lot of protein. Mm -hmm. Protein builds muscle, of course. Right. The more protein I have in me, the more carbs I have in me, the more energy I have, period, and I'm able to do what I do and keep doing what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily watch. I have a horrible sweet tooth. We mm -hmm. are, we are, everybody knows that, but thank <laughs> God I work out because right. I'd be 500 pounds if I did, not. I swear I would be, but... I, I just eat. I just yeah. eat for a living. And, and um, another little, let me just throw this in there because a lot of people don't get this. Mm -hmm. It is not realistic mm -hmm. for you to diet. That is not how we actually eat all of our lives. We're not right. going to diet for the rest of our lives. So what I always try to do, and myself too, I just try to eat good. Right. But I eat a lot. Right. A lot right. of big portions of a lot of food, but yeah. Right. I love it. I love yeah. it. I think, and I think, you know, again, that's, 
you know, that's something that, you know, I think more attention is being turned to nowadays. And we're trying to get out of this mentality of dieting and this yes. whole, you know, always restricting, always trying to get smaller, yes. that kind of thing. It's not realistic. It's not. it's not really you're not going to measure out everything for the rest of your life. You're not going to stick to a strict diet for the rest of your life. Right. It's not realistic. What re- is realistic is just changing your eating habits mm-hmm. and maintaining those and right. doing some sort of exercise to offset anything that you do outside of that box. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. It's really simple, actually. Right. Yeah. Right. What color would you say represents your personality? <laughs> I told you these were wild cards, Chris. Uh, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. My personality. You you know what? I, I don't have a particular color, but I will say this. All bright colors mm-hmm. are me because mm-hmm. I'm all about energy, vibing, good energy comes to mm-hmm. me with bright colors and pastels. Okay. Pastels okay. give me my softer side of me. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. my energy side because they're bright colors, but they're just right. pastels. I love bright colors. So any bright color represents me. A okay. canary yellow, mm-hmm. a really bright um, wine, or a, any mm-hmm. kind of really rich, bright color represents my energy. I like it. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. colors too. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm about to start a fight with this next question. Um, I'm going to have people in my messages cussing me out. So you, if you could only do one of these two for the rest of your life, which would it be? Sumo or conventional deadlift? Sumo. Really? Because oh, well, that's, uh, that's all I've ever done. Friends. Oh. That's all I've ever done. I've been sumo, sumo for since the beginning of my powerlifting career. I've, always, I've tried conventional. What I have found is this. If you have very weak rectors, mm-hmm. you can't conventional. Mm-hmm. It's all about that lower back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, I've had uh, L4 something thrown out a long time ago. So right. my lower part is, is rough. Mm-hmm. So sumo for me is a little bit more. And a lot, most women are better sumo wrestlers because we're more flexible down mm. in the hip flexor area. Uh, maybe that's mm. my problem then, Krista, because let me tell What's you something. What's I, wrong? I cannot stand sumo. I feel every single time. I, I mean, it is, and I'm like, like, first of all, I'm the kind of person, if my coach gives me something, I go do it. I execute. You know, yep. I don't, I don't mess around yep. with it. Yeah. Anytime I see that on my program, I'm like, must do, Lord Jesus, do I have to? Now, t- let me ask you something real quick. What is it about the sumo stands so there's two things that you don't like? Two things. Number one, well, first of all, I'm already short. So I'm already close to the ground. How tall no, are you? I'm 5'3". Oh, it's a baby. Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> That's so cute. That is so yes, cute. That's so cute. But you're right. You're a perfect power so lifter. I'm already you're perfect. short. Yeah. When I sumo, I literally, first of all, it kills my hips. And I thought I had pretty flexible hips, but it hurts my hips. Okay. And when I tell you, I feel like I'm going to split right up the middle from, as my mother yeah. says, the, the tutor to the rooter. Yeah. It just, yeah. I just, I hate it. It just yeah. is so painful for me. Yeah. And I'm always yeah. looking at people like, and I, and I see so many amazingly strong power lifters kill sumo. And I'm right. just like, I cannot wait for this to be over. And it's not for everybody. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you have two choices, conventional right. or sumo. And I just now, I have friends that I you know, we have right. this rivalry is, going on and it's like they're like, No, sumo, I'm like, No, never. Yeah. 
yeah yeah you know what too and i think this is it it's a it's a certain fit yeah so everybody is not um doesn't like sumo and everybody doesn't like conventional right it's, it's whatever fits you well yeah but it's, i will say this i try to think of it like you know whenever i see it you know i get ready to whine i say to myself yep. brianna it, it's one of those things where if you hate it that much then that means that you need to do it you need to at least try to get better at it so i don't do it all the time <laughs> but i will try to do it without too much complaint just so you know I don't now when you competed myself. did you do conventional yes Okay, well then that's yes. your niche. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. So. You know, and I, and all that, and this this is just m my uh, experience about being a sumo lifter all my life. Uh huh. It's flexibility. Right. Lots of flexibility. Yes. It's also if you have a tremendously strong back, as which you really need to be a deadlifter anyway. But we'll mm -hmm. just say, if you're able to to have a very strong back, sumo. A sumo stance is very, very, um, it works. Hmm. Okay. So, and it's just that flexibility of being out wide. Right. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Sumo wrestlers, or sumo wrestlers, sumo, <laughs> sumo, because well, that's, that's, that's how I teach my, my squats, too, because that squatting is sumo squatting. Mm, that's that mm -hmm. wide base mm -hmm. that comes from sumo wrestling mm -hmm. but just in just in general we'll just say um if you have long arms or short like you perfect mm -hmm. perfect deadlifter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you got long arms uh, you just lean over there you are there's a the right. boom <laughs> right. you got it <laughs> right. if you're if you're shorter perfect you're mm -hmm. there at the bar mm -hmm. you're right there mm -hmm. if right. you're in between like myself i'm five six mm -hmm. i don't have long arms so i'm kind of in between there so i have to kind of you know the sumo for me is easier to get me down to the bar faster right because it's wider right. yeah right. so but right. yeah it's different for everybody oh the debate, All right. the debate goes on <laughs> um <laughs> so here, here's a question for you so let's say that there is a little black girl somewhere right um, right now, listening mm -hmm. to this podcast, okay. and she is very similar to you in sort of her whole story and how she grew up, same set of circumstances. What mm -hmm. advice would you give her? On advice on what life, what life she wants to do, yeah, passion, anything, anything. What would you tell her? Find your passion, mm. whatever that may be. Mm hmm. And stick with it all the way. Mm. And it will totally repay you back in life. Somewhere. I love it. Find it. You got to find your passion. You got to mm -hmm. find what makes you happy mm -hmm. in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And just go with it. That's all we have, really, yeah. honestly. Because we have so much negativity in this world. Right. It's just, just crazy how much negativity is running around. And the yeah. energy is like, oh. So for a child, a black little black girl like me yep. mm -hmm. find what makes you happy mm. no matter what mm -hmm. and go for it and mm -hmm. stay with it I that's like it that. so because uh, for me once you find something that just totally drives you that way forward mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. you don't give up on it you stay with it because it is a love at that point right and there is no way on this earth that a love can be wrong oh. 
No way. Not a, not a, no, not on this earth anyway. I love it. Just go with it. And that and that you know that secret teaches you a lot of that. Yeah. Find what you love to do and do it. I love it. Yeah. All right. So now I have a, a couple of one-worders for you before one we finish word. up. So I'm going to give you okay. a phrase and I want you to complete the phrase with one word. Okay? okay. Ready? One word. All oh right. boy. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> Just one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Krista is Strong. I love it. Strength is energy. Black is powerful. Woo! I love it. That just made the oh, gave me chills. Got that? Got that? Oh my goodness! Oh got my that goodness. hair up on it. Yes, yes. This whole conversation. Oh So boy. before we wrap it up, I just want to find out: Are there any projects you're working on? Anything? coming wow. up for you that we should be on the lookout for that we can make sure that we're able to support you okay so i got so much going on right now okay so we're working on a book mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. supposed to be out in the spring of 2019 okay it is going is a book of my life mm -hmm. my memoirs mm -hmm. but it is going to be a very powerful book and that is going to be able to be very relatable to all types size Everything in this earth, mm -hmm. male, female, black, white, athlete, non-athlete, straight, gay, mm -hmm. Christian, non-Christian, it's going to hit you because okay. that's my life. So we got a book working on right now. Um, I started a strength training business. I mm -hmm. just started this. Okay. Um, we're reaching out to um, the athletes. I'm going to go into these schools and train these athletes the way they're supposed to be trained in weight training mm -hmm. period strength so that's we're working on that right now as well okay. so basically I'm getting ready to to really um, promote the book get the book out there be on a basically a talk teaching coach mode at this point nice okay. so we're going to try to we're working on getting me on some um, motivational speaking circuit okay so I can right. talk to the multitudes yes. of people about a little bit of everything. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so that's our biggest project right now. Is that's okay. what I'm really behind right now, that we can just get people to uh, get on all my social media and mm -hmm. follow me and see where I'm doing. And I've got some kids right now that I'm training and follow them and their progress on everything okay. that's going on. And so basically just the talk, teach, and coach mode is what we're on right now as far as just promoting all this and getting it moving and so my services are out there for anybody who wants me to train them or coach them. I am available. Okay, and we'll on get request. To, we'll get to um, where where we can find you in just a second. Okay. Did I read also that you have a nonprofit? I used to. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. that's okay. been dissolved since because we never actually got it. Up. It was called the Christopher Foundation. That's oh, okay, true. okay. And that was years ago with my sponsors, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, it just never uh, got off the. The okay. um, I had to, look. I had the five hundred one c three and everything. I had my EIN number, but I right. never got any seat money to get yeah. the program actually and going. So yeah, that's that's important. And you know yeah. what? You never know what's gonna happen in the future. You sure <laughs> don't. That's what I. That's another thing. Another project we were working on exactly. too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. um. So on that same note, where can people find you online, Krista? 
Okay, so we have. And we'll put all of this in the notes too. So um, you know we'll, what? We'll put links and things like that. Let me make sure I know. So you can find me on uh, on my website, which is um, um, powerbykrista.com. Mm -hmm. That's my mm -hmm. website, actually. Okay. You can find me on um, uh, Facebook mm -hmm. underneath my name, Krista mm -hmm. Ford. You need to okay. come up. Um, where else do Where else do you want? Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I. Th do you do you have to have a certain uh a thing for Instagram? Like, you mean like your Instagram name or? Yeah, is that you you know, I'm not sure. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. We'll find it and put it in the show notes. Cause so I, think, I have it. I just don't remember what it is. <laughs> I you know what? Let me see. Let me just I'm gonna double check once real quick. Cause I'm not even sure. So that's, this social media me. I'll tell you. Um, I'm on LinkedIn too as well. Okay. With just by your name, uh, yes. Okay. Uh huh. I think I'm on. Oh, Insta your um, your Instagram is Power by Krista. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? My Twitter is too. And I I don't even remember. Okay. I've never tweeted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to go get with you know who the yeah the, the, that man and find out how he tweets because he knows how to. He's I was about he's, to say now he's he, a king yeah. of tweeting. Look, he ain't doing much else, but he no, but tweeting. he could tweet. Yeah, so so on my Twitter account, that's uh, powered by Krista powered too Krista. as well. Okay, and like I, I think said, it's we'll, at power. I think it's at powered yeah, by Krista. Yeah, and then, we'll definitely put those in the show notes. Yeah, and and so I'm on all that, and then I have a Gmail, of course. Okay. okay. You know, Krista Noel Ford at gmail dot com and Noel okay. N O E L L E. All right. Like the song, just yes. got a couple of L's in there. We will put that um, in the show notes as well. Um, this has been an absolute honor. I can't oh even begin gosh. to tell you how excited and honored i am to have connected with you and like you know we said so many this times throughout the, po the podcast there are no coincidences so no absolutely not. all of this has has lined up the way it has for a reason and i'm i'm definitely looking forward to seeing not only how we can collaborate in the future oh, yeah. but also just we to see what what takes shape for you are you oh are you doing any meets or competitions anytime soon oh yeah every okay. year <laughs> okay so i start training for um nationals at the end of march march 31st okay. mm -hmm. our nationals i compete in apf which is american powerlifting federation slash uh -huh. mm -hmm. our world championships are WPC, which is okay. World Powerlifting Congress. Okay. It is one of the oldest federations out here. Mm -hmm. I started it from um, the very beginning. Okay. There's only a few federations out here that are the oldest. Right. I'm in one of them. Okay. Um, so we'll start training for nationals here, which will be in June. They'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan, oh, okay. I believe, this year. Mm -hmm. And then our world championships are going to be back in Helsinki, Finland. Oh, I've been nice. there a few times. It's pretty cool. And the, fin mm -hmm. the Finnish people are very, very strong. Cool. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Fun. So I only compete twice a year still. Uh -huh. uh, I've been uh -huh. doing that for years. I just do nationals and world championships. That's about it right okay. now. Okay. And that's really kind of all I can do they won't yeah. allow me to do anything yeah. other than that really that's a so, lot <laughs> yeah that's enough it's enough of training and yeah. it's a, it takes about 20 weeks of my wow. time throughout the year to get well, ready we will definitely be on the lookout for for that and, okay. and anything else you have coming up and again once you come on the chocolate bar once you're no longer a guest so you are now family auntie Yay. so anytime you want to come Yay. back all you got to do is hit me up and say look i got some stuff to say <laughs> This would be good because everything that we're doing right now, even here in Atlanta, what I'm getting ready to get into, mm -hmm. um, I, I want I want people to watch these these kids I'm training. Yes. These are all athletes that are football players right. and superstars, and mm -hmm. I I, mm -hmm. I see them in a couple of years once they get into college and out. Yeah. I, I I can see them pro. 
Just Easy. smashing it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You guys have been amazing. Again, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes under the Chocolate Bar, Chocolate Bar Podcast. We're on Instagram at the Chocolate Bar. Facebook, we're on uh, Twitter at the Chalk Bar um, Podcast. You can find us there. We have a website, www.thechocolatebarpodcast.com. Sometimes we have really cool merchandise. Sometimes we don't. Just depends on how busy I am. Um, <laughs> thank you again. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. See you at the bar. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.